Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. It is the Bama Online Podcast. It is Monday afternoon, February the 8th. 2021 Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, joined by team reporter for BamaOnline.com, Charlie Potter. This one on the heels of a Super Bowl thrashing from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Kansas City Chiefs, defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs. And Charlie, it didn't really go down the way I anticipated. I know you prophetically uh, predicted the Bucks over the Chiefs, but I didn't have it anything like what happened on Sunday down in Tampa. No, I mean, I didn't think they would win the game like they did. Um, you know, you were the only person to, to ask me who I thought would win. And, and on your radio show Friday, I said the Bucks. And really, I mean, it, it came down to, to Tom Brady and the experience he has in the Super Bowl. This is his 10th appearance, which is, which is crazy. And, um, I, and I thought that Tampa's defense was a lot better than Kansas City's just from a, a getting after the, the passer standpoint. And that proved to be pivotal because you know, the Chiefs were without their offensive tackles. They had some movement up front to, to get guys in the right places to, to make up for that. And, and uh, you know, the Bucks were able to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes all night. He was running for his life uh, most of the times that he dropped back. So uh, I didn't really expect it to be a, a dominant win for Brady and company, but um you know, he, he got his cast of crew um, involved, guys like Gronkowski and Antonio Brown in the passing game, and, and they were able to run the ball too. I thought that was a, a big factor in the game as well. No doubt, and you know, kind of sickening as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan that I got to watch Leonard Fournette do what he did on the ground. Impressive run game performance to go along with what Brady brings to that mix, especially kind of look Mac Jones ish, looked a little Alabama ish, didn't it, Charlie? A lot of tight end action, a lot of uh, we saw extra offensive linemen involved. We've seen Alabama do that, maybe more so as dressed up tight ends, but um, kind of had that feel to it. And you know, all the credit in the world to Bruce Arians, the former Alabama assistant, a couple of different stints here in Tuscaloosa as an assistant coach and. Now a Super Bowl champion head coach in Bruce Arians. The day before that, the day before the big game, there was a big game in Columbia, Missouri. The Alabama men's basketball team putting its 10-0 record in conference play on the line against a really solid, tough Missouri team. Something else we talked about late last week was this expectation that, similar to Oklahoma the previous Saturday, also with a very early tip-off and actually on ESPN as well, um, a veteran Missouri team that would look to really get up into Alabama and challenge it physically. And 
uh, has the sort of pieces to do that, I guess, Charlie. And uh, that's the way it played out for the most part, although you got to give Alabama a lot of credit. Down 22 there in the second half. Showed some of the veteran and the maturity uh, aspect that it possesses and, you know, staying in it, playing defense when it's not easy. Not easy to play defense when you're down 22. And they, they did that and were able to get themselves back in the game. Maybe if you're in Tuscaloosa instead of Columbia, Charlie, you get that call with Herb Jones very late in the game, but it didn't go that way. And uh, so here we are, Alabama with its first conference loss. I know – uh, the players, Nate Oates, addressed the media earlier today. What did you pick up from those comments following that first conference loss? Yeah, the the big thing is they want to you know use that second half momentum and, and carry that over into these next several games, especially the one at, at South Carolina coming up because they didn't play well in the first half at Missouri. Uh, they didn't really play well to start the second half either. Um, you know, down that that final stretch, I think you mentioned it. Um, you know, they're down 22 with 13 minutes to go, and then about the final six minutes, they really played lights out. And uh, if they played like that or, or close to that for you know 40 minutes, they win that game. But you know, it's a situation where they went up against an opponent that was very similar to Oklahoma. You know, they uh, they attacked the glass and they dominated points in the paint. And, um, you know, I think for, for this game and, and bouncing back from that, I think they want to carry what they were able to do in those final minutes you know, over to the other Columbia. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see if that you know, comes to fruition. You know, these guys uh, well-trained in terms of, of, you know, talking to us and, you know, they're saying all the right things, but, you know, it has to translate. And you, you think it will. Uh, you know, they have a lot of leaders on that team. And one of those is, is Herb Jones. You mentioned the um, the last couple of opportunities he had at the end of the game to, to tie and win it. But, uh, you know, Herb's a guy that he's still doing with that back issue. It kind of goes from his back all the way down his leg. And, you know, he hasn't practiced still. You know, he hasn't practiced for a while now. They're kind of resting him and uh, saving him for games. But, you know, Nate Oates shared that they've even talked about um, sitting him for a game just to see if uh, he can get some rest. And they've had that discussion for about, you know, a week and a half or so. And um, the only thing is, is he's progressively getting better, nearing 100 percent. I'm not saying he's you know, close to 100 percent yet, but he's getting better. And, um, you know, they said it's, it's hard to tell a kid you know, he's not going to play when the injury is definitely getting better. And there's no guarantee that it would get better if he's sitting. So um, they're really just avoiding kind of him getting any kind of contact uh, or getting hit on that spot in practice. Um, but they're going to evaluate it in, in Columbia tomorrow and see what goes from there but it wouldn't shock me to see them kind of give him some rest but this is a south carolina team we've seen of late that you know gave florida some problems we get a win over the gators and you know this isn't a game that alabama wants to let slip just because they put one of their best players on the bench to try to save him for later if you could just put your finger on which one of these south carolina teams is going to show up it'd make it a lot easier <laughs> with the decision making process with Herb, right? I mean, because you said it, this is a team that, you know, in its last couple of games is one on the road at Florida. It's also a team that was thumped at home over the weekend by a pretty average, talented, it's a talented Mississippi State team, don't get me wrong, uh, but record-wise, it's been pretty average in Mississippi State, and it's a South Carolina team a uh, week or so ago, week and a half ago or so, lost to Vanderbilt, so you just don't know which South Carolina team you're going to get. It's the back end of a two-game roadie. 
Uh, you really want to get this one in the win column. Games like this one, like Texas A&M coming up down the road, these are kind of road games you want to go ahead and take advantage of. But uh, the situation with Herb, you just wonder if, if it can't be worsened by him playing. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm of the expectation at this point, Charlie, that we're going to see him on Tuesday night. Now, we haven't seen him for more than 22 minutes in each of the last two games. I guess fouls have been a part of that, too. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a big question mark right now because not so much just everything he does, but how much they ask him to play on the basketball. Yeah, and I think going back to what I was talking about a minute ago, the way that they were able to close out the game uh, gives them a little hope and a little bit more reassurance with maybe taking it easy with her, but not necessarily um, sitting him, but you know, watching his minutes, putting him maybe on a pitch count and not overexerting him and giving him more opportunities to get hit on that hip. And one of the, the uh, positives uh, from the last game is the way that Javon Quinterly played down the stretch. I mean, he was on the court damn near the entire second half and, and played well. I think he had 10 second half points and they just need to get more consistency from him because they are asking her uh, to handle the ball. And if they can get consistent point guard play from Quinterly and, and maybe some other guys in there, then it, it does take some of the stress and the responsibility off of Herb and, and his body. So, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with they want to be able to, to carry over what they did to close out the Missouri game and this South Carolina game. And, and that kind of starts with Javon Quinterly and getting him going off the bench as a guy that you know I think they thought they were going to get some more from uh, this season. Keon Ellis, the junior college transfer, continues to impress. And not a guy we talk about coming off the bench. That's been Keon Ellis this season. But it seems like more and more when it's closeout time in games. Keon Ellis, the guy who's on the floor late, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about Keon today. I asked uh, Nate Oates and the players. We got uh, JQ and, and Keon uh, for player interviews and just talking about him because just looking at his last three games, the Oklahoma, the LSU, and the Missouri game, I know Alabama went one and two in those, but you know, he scored in double figures and played 20-plus minutes in all three of those games. I think he scored uh, 33 points and pulled down 17 rebounds, and, and he's shooting 67% from the field and from three-point range. And I think one of the things about Keon is he's a he's a strong defender, uh, but Nato said it best is he's a guy that plays hard. He's going to make mistakes. Everybody is, but he's a guy that – um, you know, really plays hard and, and uh, recovers from it. Uh, you know, if he gets beat on a blow by, he's going to recover and, and maybe get a block shot or a steal. And um, you know, one of the telling things that the NATO said when I asked about him is, um, you know, they've got to get more guys um, that make the team better when they're on the floor. And he said that Keon's at the top of that list right now, and he's already been playing 20 plus minutes these last three games. So, yeah, I think that he's a guy that we could continue to see that uptick in, in production and in contributions because he's someone that plays hard on both ends of the floor. He's been giving them something offensively and the way that he plays on defense, uh, you know, he's very critical to what they've been doing late in games. So Alabama 10 and one in SEC play still two games clear of Missouri in the loss column. Mizzou has played two fewer league contests at this point so could be interesting because of covid uh if we get all these games in charlie and you know if it comes down to it because as we know mizzou has the hammer on alabama right now virtue of that head-to-head win they don't play twice in the regular season so uh 
know, just seeing if we get all these games in, uh, I would think could could end up playing a a big factor in in how this thing shakes out down the stretch. Also, in addition to South Carolina this week, a home game against Georgia coming up on Saturday. Uh, Georgia playing better basketball of late under Tom Crean. Um, biggest concern for this team right now going into the week, Charlie, other than the obvious, which is Herb Jones and his availability. Uh, is it is it the continued development of another another player on the ball like a Javon Quinterly, maybe a Primo, um, you know, some of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think that offensively just overall they need to play better and of course yeah you would like to be able to to find a guy to uh run the point i know john petty did it uh in practice last week we didn't really see much of that uh, in that um missouri game but you know they need to have somebody to to take some pressure off her but you know just collectively i think this group needs to play better on offense um you know we know what they can do uh when they're hitting shots especially from beyond the arc i mean just look at the, the lsu game on the road when they said uh, broke their own SEC record for for threes made in a single game, but yeah, they don't have to go out and make twenty three threes a night. But they haven't been at that clip of hitting you know eleven, twelve, thirteen. They've they've been you know under that ten uh, mark, and you know, that's not necessarily the recipe for success for this team. When they're in that range, they're going to be in games and likely in control of games, and I think they want to get back to that. So it's a myriad of things, um, but I think just collectively playing better and more consistent on offense is where they want to start seems like teams more concerted effort to get them off the three-point line charlie yeah and try to get them in situations missouri had the people right they had the size and they had a presence uh in the paint nine block shots for missouri in the game on saturday uh you're not going to beat us with the three that seems to be more and more the book on alabama and let's see if you can beat us at the rim and you know, Alabama struggled both at, at, at the rim on Saturday and then also, uh, you know, I think 12 to 21 from the free throw line. A couple of couple of those ingredients you were sort of alluding to there that that don't play into a stew of winning, I guess. No. And, yeah, there aren't a lot of teams that they're going to face coming up that are going to present that same problem. I know Mississippi State matches up pretty well with Alabama. They gave them a, a tough game the last time they, they played. But, um, you know, Alabama is just going to they're, they're going to they're going to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, there's no mistake in that. And they just need to get those to fall. Um, you know, it, it's looking, you know, farther down the road. It's going to be another couple of weeks, but it'll help too whenever they get Jordan Bruner back, who's been, you know, out with that meniscus injury to, to take some attention off right. of the three point line. I know he is a guy that can shoot from out there, but you know, to give them a, a true presence, you know, down low, um, consistently, I think will help because they were playing, you know, their best basketball of the season when Bruner was healthy. So that'll be big for them coming back, but or whenever he comes back, and that should be you know, still a couple of weeks out. But, um, no, I mean, teams have, have seen the the blueprint. Oklahoma and Missouri have, have done it well. But it's worth mentioning that Alabama wasn't just run off the floor in those games. I mean, mm-hmm. they were able to, to battle back. So it's a tough task to, to try to take away Alabama's strengths, but uh, it's certainly possible. We're going to take a quick break here on the Bama Online Podcast, myself and Charlie Potter. When we come back, we're going to get, we're going to go headlong into some football talk. How about that? When the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast, Monday, February the 8th, 2021. You got Valentine's Day coming up, Charlie. You got a little something for the sugar booger already? Have you already done your shopping for Valentine's Day, Charlie? (laughs) I haven't, uh, not yet because, um, we, we both have strange schedules. I mean, you know what I do, you, you do the same thing. Um, so I'm, I'm just at home a lot. And then, you know, when it comes to, to actually not, I don't want to say working, but being active on the side is usually late at night for games, for basketball games mm-hmm. nowadays. And she's a, uh, you know, she works in Birmingham. She's a nurse and works uh, night shifts. So, uh, she usually works three days in a row. And, and anytime there's any kind of holiday or something like that, birthday, anniversary, I always have to wait till she, you know, has those three days in a row. And those are coming up. So, uh, I'll be doing that here pretty soon. Yeah, I got to take care of that, man. On a Sunday this year. So, you know, it kind of becomes a whole weekend deal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, local businesses, they love that. Absolutely love it. Hey, uh, something Alabama fans didn't love over the weekend the news that Carl Scott moving on to the National Football League, uh, going to the Minnesota Vikings. You know, Charlie, we had been pretty much on Maryland defensive coordinator watch with Carl Scott. And it just goes to show how much can be going on in coaching circles and in this era of the sport, this era of the game, how intertwined the NFL and power five football really truly is because you're sort of thinking about Carl Scott with Mike Loxley up there at Maryland and lo and behold, here he goes to the Minnesota Vikings instead. Um, I know you've, put on the round table there, the premium message board of choice of Alabama fans right there at BamaOnline.com. Some potential names to keep an eye on, certainly a lot of them, with ties either to Nick Saban and or the University of Alabama. I got to think first and foremost, Charlie, uh, Tim Watts, our site publisher, Hank South, covers recruiting for us. They can speak to this better than either of us, I'm sure. That's a prime gig for a recruiter though right i mean as much as anything you're going to see a a top-notch recruiter step into that role i would think yeah most definitely and um you know i think it's interesting too is that it the opening right now is for a cornerbacks coach but nick saban could mix his staff up and and make a hire at another position um you know you could always have pete golding coaching the secondary he has plenty of experience uh, doing that even though you know we know that alabama's defensive coordinators most of the time at least stick with the inside linebackers because that's the quarterback of the defense that just it makes the most sense but you know, hypothetically speaking you could move pete golding to the secondary you could move freddie roach to inside linebackers you can hire a defensive line coach and i know there's alabama fans that is immediately when you say that there's a light bulb that goes off in their head and they have a name that they want but it's two just, or three yeah they have two or three man well there's a fascination with bo davis no and, doubt with bo. yeah <laughs> but um it it's just it's an interesting opening because there is different avenues that nick saban could go 
uh, in making this hire. But at the moment, you know, we we put some names out there for uh, a cornerbacks coach, and there are some you know familiar names: Derek Ansley, who worked at Alabama before, uh, Deshae Townsend, a former Alabama defensive back. Um, you know, there's there's plenty out there that that makes sense, but you know, those are guys right now that are uh, in the NFL. And you know, when you mentioned the recruiter aspect, those guys don't have to worry about that in the NFL. And a lot of times, that's something I think they appreciate. Not saying that's the case with those two guys, but just always something to keep in mind. But you know, with Carl Scott, um, yeah, I mean, he was one of Alabama's ace recruiters. I think he was number two in the the twenty four seven Sports Composite rankings when it came to your recruiters this past cycle and um you know he has a presence in a in a hotbed for alabama in, in the state of texas so that'll be you know one to follow but just re- in terms of of him and accepting this position uh he was you know that was something we were watching for a while with him in in maryland but you know this minnesota vikings thing kind of happened pretty fast our understanding is that you know, he interviewed for a defensive backs coach opening uh with the vikings on thursday he was offered on Friday and then, you know, kind of slept on it and then accepted the job uh, on Saturday. And that was kind of during the, the middle of that uh, Missouri basketball game. So there's a lot going on on Saturday. But these things happen quickly. Um, and it's a it's a hire that Nick Saban can go uh, a variety of different ways. But make no mistake, he's going to go out and, and hire a, a big time coach with a recruiting background. And I think he's not going to have you know any shortage of guys with, with interest in filling out that position. Steve Sarkeesian has got to be pretty happy about all this, doesn't he? As the new head coach at the university of Texas, he takes Jeff Banks with him. One of Alabama's primary recruiters in the state of Texas, the last few years. And now Carl Scott leaves Alabama and goes to the national football league. So whereas in a perfect world, I guess, Scott would have gone with Sark, too, uh, out there to Texas. At least Sark no longer has to recruit against Carl Scott. But the thing you got to remember is that Alabama didn't just start having success recruiting the state of Texas under Jeff Banks and Carl Scott. You know, right. They've been signing players out of the state of Texas throughout the entire tenure of Nick Saban at Alabama. I don't see that stopping anytime soon. The key's going to be can Sark have enough success on the field to keep more of those guys at home? Jimbo Fisher should be in a position of uh, being able to do more of that at A&M following their great year in 2021, 2020, but we'll see. We will absolutely see. And sticking with that, Charlie, I wanted to talk about some back seven scenarios for this Alabama. Way too early, I guess, back seven scenarios for the Crimson Tide, I mean, when you look at it as far as returning pieces, it's promising. Yes, Patrick Sertan the seconds off to the NFL, uh, but Josh Job's back. Uh, the safety positions you look to be pretty much intact. A couple of really promising newcomers from 2020 back there in your sub package roles. Uh, on the surface, again in the secondary, it looks like you're kind of just looking for one guy at that other corner, perhaps. Uh, but then you tie in the linebacker level and probably more so inside linebacker than even outside linebacker because Christopher Allen's coming back and you're going to have uh, Will Anderson. So you know what you've got there. But from, say, the inside linebackers through the secondary, um, is it as simple as that, do you think? And and also, let's let's get into some of the sub package roles. Is it is it just as simple as it was with that? What? What do we expect from Christian Harris at inside linebacker with Dylan Moses moving on? Does, does he become the mic? Does he become the signal caller? Um, 
How do you anticipate some of that? Yeah, I think that for the most part on the surface, you only have to replace two guys, which is Dylan Moses at Mike linebacker and Patrick Sertan the second at corner. Um, you know, you, you have Josh Job returning at one corner spot at safety. You have Jordan battle and then the mixture of DeMarco Ellums and, uh, Daniel Wright. And I think the former was someone that was kind of the starter toward the end of the season. We saw him start the, the two playoff games. So I would give him the edge over Daniel Wright, even though he's the more veteran player. And then you have at star Malachi Moore, who started every game. Uh, well, not every game until he, he got hurt at the end of the season, but every game he was healthy at the star position and, and Brian Branch came on and, and locked down that money spot. So you you look at it and I, I think that most of those spots would, would be filled by the same players. You know, corner I, I think would be open for competition between guys like Marcus Banks who's coming back. You have Ronald Williams, the junior college transfer, who didn't play much last year after breaking his arm in the preseason. Um, you know, Brandon Turnage is a guy that'll be back, Jacquez Robinson. But I think Marcus Banks makes a lot of sense to compete with guys like Kyrie Jackson, who was the, the nation's number one corner that Alabama signed this year as a JUCO transfer, and, and Jaquincy McKintry, who's on campus right now, the former five-star. So um, I think the cornerback spot will be interesting to see how it fills out. And then, you know, at, at inside linebacker, I do think that Christian Harris is going to take over um, a lot of the responsibility as the signal caller because he's the um, most experienced player there. And, and a guy like Jalen Moody makes a lot of sense to step in beside him because we saw him do that um, in the Arkansas game when, when Christian Harris was out. So um, I, I think that they have some options there, though. Shane Lee's a guy that started uh, every game at the Mike linebacker spot uh, in 2019 as a true freshman. Ali Cajo is another year older. He's been in the program for a while now, and you know, he's a super talented player. Does he have you know enough understanding to be able to lead the defense? And, and they have some young guys there too. So there's competition at spots. I think you know the inside linebacker spot opposite of uh, Christian Harris, obviously that corner spot, and then even at safety opposite Jordan Battle. It'll be it'll be interesting to see with guys like um, Wright and Helms and and Branch. You know who comes out on top there. They have options, which is a good thing, but for the most part, that back seven should look familiar from from what we saw in the field this past season. And you know, going into the 2020 season, this was a group that was new and inexperienced. And I think they got better as the season went on. So I think that'll help them in 2021. Yeah, it has the look of a really safety-heavy group again. If you talk about sort of the genesis positionally for a lot of these guys, Malachi Moore, Brian Branch. I think we've reached a point, though, in football where so many of these guys are kind of the defensive back equivalent of dual threats like quarterbacks, you know, that can run and throw. Well, a guy like Malachi Moore, he can play in the box. He can play inside at star, but he's shown you he gets matched up on number one receivers. He can run with them pretty good like a corner. So he has some of that dual ability that makes him so effective there. Brian Branch, much that same way you mentioned Ellum's. Jordan battle. It was interesting in the Ohio state game, a couple things happened because depth at safety became such an issue after Jordan battle went out with the ejection for the targeting penalty there in the second quarter. Uh, you actually saw Jalen armor Davis, a corner by trade come into the game and play some, play some money with branch at the star and also got a little bit of a hint. I thought anyway, we'll see. Uh, you saw some Christian Harris at the Mac in the dime. He was out there, and Dylan Moses wasn't with 
Jalen Armour Davis playing the money there in the diamond. He was running the show, and we had seen that previously, but in a big spot like that against Ohio State in the national championship game, I, I thought that was a little telling. Again, we'll we'll find out more, but you're right, man. A lot of production coming back. I mean, Sertan, obviously, you're talking about a first-round talent. Dylan Moses, uh, you know, two of his, you know, in his in his two last two years on the field at Alabama, he led the Crimson Tide in tackles, 18 and 20, 2018, 2020. So we're not going to try to diminish the value of a guy like that either. But uh, some comfort there. Uh, figure out that one corner, and you outlined all the the talent that they're going to have available to work with. Uh, should be a good situation for the back seven, regardless of how the staff ultimately shakes out now with the departure of Carl Scott. Speaking of the defense, defensive-themed pod today, if you haven't been able to tell already. Uh, we're going to do the football defensive play of the year for the Alabama Crimson Tide from 2020. Charlie, what do you got there? I'm going to stick with what we were talking about. I'm going to kind of lead into it because I had another thought about that back seven. You, you talk about Christian Harris and, and his ability to, to step in as the Mac in Alabama's dime defense. And we're talking about a guy that was a, a defensive back in high school. So I think that his ability to cover is a benefit there. And I believe it was Dylan Moses uh, during one of his Zoom interviews with us um, You know, during the season talked about how they kind of split responsibilities in terms of um, you know, getting the calls to the defense. I think it was Moses that relayed the call to the front seven, and then Christian Harris did so with the the secondary. So he has that, uh, I think, in his back pocket, and you know that's something I think he could really work on this this off season in terms of just you know, taking on more of that role and and being that quarterback in the defense. And you know, it, it was kind of tough to come up with defensive play of the year. Um, you know, we were talking about it before we were recording, and how you know choosing the offensive play of the year, you could just tack a bunch of plays up on a dartboard and close your eyes and throw the dart and nobody's going to argue with the play that you pick. But for me, um, I was thinking about importance. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of, you know, big plays, turnovers, things like that. And, you know, just kind of scanning back and, and looking, I, I went with a play that Christian Harris made and it was late in the SEC championship game. You know, that was one that, that proved to be a back and forth effort. Um, you know, Florida mm-hmm. definitely made it interesting they're late, but um, you know the Gators got the ball back with I believe 16 seconds left, and we'd seen Kyle Trask and, and that offense move the ball up and down the, the field pretty easily. But um, your first play, Christian Harris sacks Kyle Trask and, and ends it, and um, you know Alabama was able to win its 18th SEC championship game. That was one of five sacks for Alabama in that game. Um, you know it's a it's a defense that forced a lot of turnovers. They picked off a lot of passes, returned some for touchdowns. Um, very opportunistic, but I thought just in terms of defensive play of the game or the year, um, you know, a team that got better and better as the season progressed in terms of getting after the passer, you know, it's, it's tough to find a sack that was more important than that one in that game. Yeah. One of those times where the Alabama defense ended the game with a play like that for sure. And, you know, I thought of that play and I also thought, I guess we could do a special teams play of the year too, but I thought of Charlie Scott's punt that led up to that. That was a hell of a punt directional punt that he hit there late. They had really good coverage on it. Um, yeah, again, that's probably more special teams related, but that sequence obviously huge to, as you said, cap that latest Southeastern conference championship, I went with Alabama 
Georgia. Mm-hmm. Alabama up 27-24 late third. Had just taken the lead Alabama had. Hit that 90-yarder to Jalen Waddell to go up 27-24. Georgia comes right back, gets down to the Alabama 25, and Malachi Moore intercepts Stetson Bennett at the Alabama 2. Not only picks him off, but returns it out to the UA 44. So flips the field. Alabama goes down offensively, gets into the end zone, 34-24. That's a ball game. So that's what I went with. I went with Malachi Moore in that Georgia game. I guess both my offensive and uh, defensive plays of the year, I went with that Georgia game. Non-championship game, non-playoff game. And I still went back to uh, to Alabama UGA. Hey, um, Charlie, I guess we're, we're talking pro day. That's a good sign. I saw where uh, BOL alum Chase Goodbread tweeted on Monday afternoon that the Alabama Pro Day is set for March the 23rd. Before you know it, we might even have some spring practice dates, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pro Day is something that's um, you know good to hear this around the corner because you know, the, the NFL scouting combine isn't going to happen, at least not in the capacity we're used to. And so Pro Days are going to be very important for these guys hoping to, to hear their name called. Uh, in April and um, you know it's going to be March 23rd Uh, that's right around the time that we would expect that spring practice would start and you know looking back at just you know some of the the emails and the press releases we've got I think it was around this time last year it might have been maybe a week ahead uh, that Alabama actually released the the date and the capacity guidelines for its 2020 8A game which didn't happen so uh, I would imagine when it comes to spring practice and um, you know, the 2021 eight day game, we'll, we'll learn something about that here, you know, coming up soon, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, for these guys that have that opportunity and, and Alabama should have a couple of pro days, they'll have the one that's kind of publicized, even though I would be surprised if we're allowed into that one, just given how they've handled the, the 2020 season and practice viewing and things like that. But they'll have another one later on. That's kind of more you know, behind the scenes, behind closed doors, and so these guys will have a couple of opportunities to, to show off their skills in front of these NFL personnel. Yeah. And when you start thinking of spring football and A-Day, you start thinking about Alabama softball and Alabama baseball coming up the next couple weekends. Alabama softball uh, this weekend out in Austin, Texas. The following weekend, Alabama baseball opens here at the Joe, right? Mm-hmm. They there do. Sure, we'll have uh, some stuff from, from Brad Bohannon. I know Kurt handles the – softball side of things but you know for just in terms of baseball i know brad bohannon is really excited about this group and as always we've got recruiting coverage for you there at bamaonline.com as well well charlie as always appreciate the time my friend no problem man always good to catch up for charlie potter travis ryer thanking you once again for joining us on the bama online podcast if you haven't already how about a subscription to the bama online podcast it's free we would also appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you are there. For Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier, until next time, so long, everybody.
It's the NFL offseason, but I'll pick six. Part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. 